Glad to have you with us on Community Matters, WBCK. I've been in a habit of saying Saturday mornings after the 8 o'clock news. We'll also be heard Saturday evenings now after the 8 o'clock news. So I guess I'll just say after the 8 o'clock news <laughs> on Saturdays on WBCK and anytime at BattleCreekPodcast.com. Checking in as we usually do once a month or so with the Calhoun County Board of Commissioners and Vice Chair Steve Frisbee. Hi, Steve. Hello. As we record this, you're on your way up north for a firearm season, which will be underway by the time folks are hearing this. Yeah, heading up uh, up into the National Forest where we go every year. Uh, my sons, my brother-in-law and I, and uh, just enjoy some time in the woods and see if we can bring home some venison. You usually have some good luck with that, do you? No, but we have fun. <laughs> That's the point. We have, we have better luck around the homestead uh, with hunting than we do up north. But it's just a it's a nice little getaway for us. It's an occasion. That's right. Well, enjoy that. So the second meeting in November, which was this week, was canceled. Right. Uh, we were not going to be able to have a quorum with me in the Northwoods. Uh, Derek King is off on a hunting adventure. Uh, and there was a question as to a couple of other folks not being available. So. Yeah, we just decided rather than to try to have the public hearing on the budget with uh, a small potential of a quorum uh, to cancel the meeting and move all of that process into our first meeting into December. All right. So that's what we can look for in December is when everybody's back in, in their assigned seats, the proposed budget yep. will be a, a point of discussion for sure. Yeah, we've gone through a, a you know extensive process that we do every year working with the elected officials countywide and the department heads and the court um, in coming to a conclusion of how we're going to meet our budget uh, marks. And, and as usual, uh, great work by the staff and all those elected officials and department heads to bring us into a balanced budget. We're required to present a balanced budget by law. I wish every branch of government was, um, but um that process always is a give and take in, um, in meeting needs and constitutional uh, needs of what the office is sp supposed to provide each one of those elected officials and department heads. So it sometimes is a struggle, but the cooperation makes it much easier. And um, it's, always a, it's always a good point when we're ready to say we have a balanced budget and we're going to put money into the general fund balance. Uh, to be able to up our balance as we move forward. So that'll be part of the discussion uh, in that first meeting on the first Thursday of December and how we up what's going on in savings so we get closer to 18% uh, reserve capacity in cash. So when the budget comes to you, at that point, it's already balanced. Does the administration, Kelly and her staff, come to you at a point in the in the process and say, we're not balanced yet, but we're working on it? Or uh, how does that generally work? Yeah, there's three commissioners on the budget committee. And we start off as early as June or July, depending on what year it is. I think we started in July this year. And, and just work through that process and look at the marks of where we need to hit and are they realistic and we deal with about a five-year projected budget. So we look at a lot of trends and expectations and history to say is what is being proposed legitimate. So 
You have all the effects of inflation right now, again this year, that are really impacting our ability or our um, our strategies. And you know everything costs more. Insurance, fuel to operate, all of those things. Just like a normal citizen, we feel that as a government as well. So. You know, looking at all those trends, uh, Kelly and Megan Banning, who's the, the head of finance, do a great job in uh, presenting that and getting buy-in from those elected officials and the department heads that we can't go over budget. We have to, um, you know, be, play. we have to be able to pay for everything we're doing, and we're not going to raise taxes to do that, and everybody understands it. And, you know, so we get a lot of good cooperation. And that 18% cash, that's a, a benchmark that most municipalities try to follow. What's the thinking there? Yep. So we've had a balance of around 12% for many, many years. Um, the state treasury issued an opinion um, starting last year that said, you know, we want everybody to have 18 to 20% in mm. reserve capacity uh, because of the things like have happened in the last couple of years with inflation so that cash, you know, you don't have to go borrowing or bonding and things like that uh, to operate government on a normal basis. Certainly we bond like our large projects and large purchases. So, but that reserve gives taxpayers the understanding that we don't have to go borrow money all the time just to operate in a normal daily basis. Yeah. And of course, this isn't necessarily a fund that you're trying to build that is a sign towards some project or or uh, uh, other intent. This is just to have it there to ride the roller coaster of costs. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have to go borrow money right now, if you, you have had to as a as a citizen in the last year and a half, you understand the cost of in, uh, inflation upon interest rates and what does that mean for your overall borrowing. So when we can avoid borrowing at all, we do. And having those cash reserves, cash is king. It doesn't matter if you're government, a private citizen, or a business. Cash is king, and you have to maintain that in order to operate efficiently. What about that 18 to 20%? Is, is that something that uh, if inflation tamps down a little bit, the, the state budget office would say, okay, you can you can have a little less? Or, or do you expect that this is the new benchmark and it's going to be there indefinitely? It's the new benchmark, and I, I don't foresee it changing. They started talking about this before inflation was hitting the marketplace. There's a lot of governments that had some razor thin general fund balances. So when they had crises that they had to manage financially, it put them in a bad spot because they'd have to go borrow money. When in having this cash really is a smart move for us in several ways. One, we don't have to borrow money, but when we bond to our big projects, your Cash on hand is a big influence upon the bond rating hmm. that you get. So the higher the bond rating, which we have a double A plus, the lower the interest rate you're going to pay. And that saves taxpayer dollars. So it's just smart business to have cash on hand and keep debt low as much as you can. Uh, pay it off in a timely fashion. Pay it off early if you have the ability and not spend down all your cash to do every project. We can't do that. And as you mentioned, uh, if folks want to comment on the budget, they can do that as part of the next meeting on December 7th. Absolutely. Is that in the public comment section, or do you reserve a special time for just this subject? Both. 
they, they're eligible to talk about it uh, in public comment mm-hmm. and in during the um, the hearing process. Okay. And in the show notes for this episode at battlecreekpodcast.com, we'll link you to the Board of Commissioners page and the where the agendas land and as well the meeting schedule and so on. So you'll have all of that information. Was also noticing yeah. that uh, there was some movement on the Transportation Authority Incorporation, right? Yeah, that's just the cleanup action. We knew we'd have to change the bylaws to reflect of who opted in and who opted out. So the actual footprint of that operation, which only includes the city of Battle Creek, the city of Springfield, the city of Marshall, and the city of Albion. So we had to reflect the new boundaries within those uh, bylaws. And that's the only thing that really changed there. And then it talked about the makeup of the board. So because there's less opt-in, there'll be a, a little bit smaller board. Makes sense. So, and there's a representative on that board from all of those places? Yes, and including the county. So while we're not a funder, we're not an, an operator, uh, it is a countywide authority, so we will have a commissioner and uh, most likely an administrator on that board. So what are the next steps with that? Um, it, 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 we remember it was two steps forward, one step back. Now we seem to be moving forward again. What's next? So that that authority will be seated. Uh, we, as the county commission, seat that authority initially. And they will start to uh, operate as an independent authority and decide what their operational hours and what services and all of that will be available and how they move forward. So all of the assets that are in the system, if they move forward completely, will become part of the authority's asset um, group, not instead of the individual. So individual entities. So it'll... um, become under the auspices of that authority. At that point, the real work starts getting done, I presume. (laughs) Yep, that's when um, the folks from the city um, and county, Doug Farrell and uh, Mallory from uh, the city will, you know, put together a plan of operation and they're used to operating that. So they'll put together a plan of operation and, and look at the cost and how do they fund it and is there enough funds currently within the system of those four entities to be able to fund it. The notion here, too, is that uh, there's a recognized issue with transit for some folks. These municipal entities say, yes, we want to band together and and figure that out. So we presume then that as they study this, those issues are going to come up and they're going to try to address those. Is that fair? Yes. You know, there's transportation issues are are really a countywide issue. They're folks in every corner of this county that have transportation issues, typically seniors. So while they may have been able to drive all their life, they've reached a point where they can't. Um, they can't do it safely. They don't feel safe on the road. Uh, they've given up their vehicle. They can't afford to own one, whatever. Um, and most of the, the needs for transportation at that point are medical-based. So getting them to physicians' offices and doctor's appointments and you know, clinic appointments and uh, all those things that are important. Um, As a society, we've focused on trying to let people stay home. uh, And that's if you're uh, an aging population, you understand the value of that and you want to be at home. Um, But, you know, as we have uh, moved forward as a country, a lot of times our children uh, move out out of the area or out of the state even. 
Uh, so family members that can support them with transportation aren't, aren't readily available. So there, there's all kinds of needs, but most of it is medically based. All right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing the next uh, points of interest as it relates to the progress on that transportation yep. authority. Yeah. Uh, family Court Awareness Month is this month in November. Commissioners heard some things about that, too, right? Yeah, and the good things going on there, and I'll preface that with you can ask anybody in the county that's dealt with family court, and there's always two opinions. Uh, they love them. They don't like them. Uh, you know, they felt like they're fair. They felt like they're unfair. It, it's a balance, and depending on the decision of what the, you know, somebody thought was best interest of the children, why that that forms their opinion. So I understand that, but I think they do the best they can do to look out for the interest of the kids that, you know, you get into a divorce situation, um, uh, adoptions, those kind of things. They're always looking out for the best interest of the child. And you may not agree with the, their decisions all the time, but I respect that they're trying to do the best thing that they can. So the next meeting then, December 7th, and one more in December as well, presuming that stays on the agenda and the schedule, I should say, and that is uh, by way of the website, the county website. You can see the County Board of Commissioners information and even watch the meeting live online, speaking of staying home. If you uh, wish to do that, we'll put the link in the show notes for this episode at battlecreekpodcast.com. So, Steve, you had uh, a relatively routine October, except perhaps on October 30th when you made a special announcement. What was that? I did. I I have uh, thought long and hard, and I have decided to enter the race for the 44th House District for the state of Michigan. Um, so I'll be this will be my last term as a commissioner at, at the county. That made the decision a little bit harder, actually a lot harder because of the folks that I've worked with over, you know, these past years in seven terms, but it's a good time for me. I think there's a lot of stuff going on that I don't agree with. And I, I know a lot of my constituents don't agree with, and I think it's, it's just a good time for me to look at that and enter that race. And um, so I, I officially announced and I'm filed and off and running. So uh, I wonder if you could just elaborate on that a little bit. What is it? issues wise that motivates you? Um, it's a wide array of issues of what's being done at the legislature and the governor right now. You know, one of the latest things that happened is just a perfect example of what I think is a bad idea in alternative energy projects, solar, wind, or whatever it may be, are subject to local zoning rules right now. So a township or an entity can say, Oh, we don't want that or we want that. And they work with, uh, through a host agreement and, and make sure that the township's needs are met, you know, and they can respond to it with police and fire and all those things that, that may be a consideration. Uh, and are they going to pay for roads that they're tearing up during construction? All of those things. Well, the state legislature voted last week to take that zoning or that approval away from local government. So, and by the way, they, they're taking all the funding with it. So the state's going to keep all the fun, most of the funding. They're going to give some, uh, you know, just a tiny a bit to the locals and they're going to leave the locals with all the headache. And, and you pair that with the governor's stated policy uh, uh, and the legislature following along that they want, you know, carbon free um, energy. 
all alternative energy sources by 2040. So do you think the state is ever going to say no to a project, even though there's inherent issues with each one that each locality should be able to determine if it's best for their locality or not? Uh, I don't think they'll ever say no to anybody. And that's not right. Local control uh, should remain in place and uh, be the deciding factor. And it's, it's decisions like that that drive me crazy where they leave all of the pain and all of the reality of operations of one of these things. And, and they're not all bad. I mean, we've had some really good solar projects done in Calhoun County, and, but that's because they let the locals do everything and negotiate their way through it. And when you take that out of the hands of local government, I think that's a huge mistake. It's just disenfranchising uh, local government, and it's not right. Well, I think we could probably have a whole show on on that conversation about that subject. But uh, do you think that um, your terms as a county commissioner give you a special purview on that, as opposed to maybe someone who who doesn't have that purview about the local connection as much? And uh, maybe that's yeah. an obvious question, but uh, it seems like that would touch a nerve quicker with you than somebody else. Yeah, I, I say it this way. I don't feel entitled to the opportunity at all. Um, I feel like I'm, I've been well prepared in seven terms to be able to hit the ground running in some respects. But just like when I was elected as a county commissioner in 2010 and took office in 2011, it's a steep learning curve of every level of government, of how you navigate, how you become effective, how you become somebody that can make a difference. And I, I'm willing to do that. And, you know, I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I know a lot of smart people and I know when to lean on them for information and input and help guide decision making processes. And so I, I think I'm well prepared. I don't think I'm entitled at all. I seem to remember when you told the story about making up your mind to run for the county board, there was a a lot of reflecting there and uh, your wife, I'm paraphrasing, but your wife said, well, you know, there's something you can do about it. <laughs> you know, I told that story the other night again to friends, you know, I was watching the news. Um, I was going to give president Obama and those policies a chance. And when I saw what was going on in 2008 and 2009, I didn't like what was going on. And she said, sit down and shut up or get involved. And that's, she knew what she was doing. She pushed me into being involved. <laughs> and, and I've reached that point again uh, of I don't like what's going on. And it, it happens to be in Lansing. I don't like necessarily what's going on in Washington, D.C. at all either. But those policies are um, not well thought out, uh, short-sighted, and actually do harm to uh, Michigan citizens. And I, I, I've reached that point again. So it's down and shut up or get involved and that was a guiding force in 2009 it's a guiding force today well it sounds like a good place to leave it for now but i'm sure we'll talk more about it as uh, as the months move on thank you steve yeah you have a great day steve frisbee with our county update and more on community matters mm -hmm.